0: Welcome back to Prevention at Women Helping Women. My name is Riley Head, and I am really excited to share a conversation that I had with Kathy Stockman today. She is an educator here at Women Helping Women. She's been with the agency for almost nine years now, and our conversation was full of wonderful insights Uh, reflections on the past and hope looking forward to the future of prevention and specifically our school prevention program that we that we work on together. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode and I just wanted to give a note before we get started that at the end of the podcast the audio might be a little bit quieter so you might want to enjoy this episode with headphones in. Thanks so much and enjoy the rest of the show.
1: Predominantly in Butler County. In fact, I was hired almost nine years ago to bring the program to Butler County Schools. Um, what that looks like is when I started, we had maybe three schools and I was invited to grow it as best as I can. And so in that time, we went from three schools to I have off and on Closer to nine schools, and all of them are public schools in Butler County. Um, so that means I'm in a couple of the Lakota schools. I've been in the middle school in Lakota, but right now I'm in both of the high schools, East and West. Um, I'm in Fairfield High School. I'm at Hamilton High and Hamilton Freshman. Their two middle schools include Wilson Middle and Garfield. And I'm at Middletown Middle School and Middletown High. And I go as far as Talawanda, which is in Oxford. So those are the schools I go to now. Uh, my goal is to return to a couple of the middle schools in Lakota, um, in Lakota District. And I think I can do that. I just um, need the time and I just have to call the teachers. But I think <laughs> I can do that. So, um, for somebody who's maybe not
0: as familiar with, like, the Cincinnati area or Hamilton, they're more familiar with Hamilton County, why is Butler County, why is that you specifically, or how does that look different than, like, Hamilton County? Or why is it, I guess, why is it a specialty that you're in Butler
1: County? Well, I think originally, I mean, and I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think originally what had happened is I was hired for a specific grant. Okay. The money was coming from Butler County, so someone in Butler County wanted us there. Okay, interesting. The funds for my contract came, those were the specs. Mm -hmm. It's like, we weren't from Butler County. Um, How it's different from Hamilton County, to me, the way I see it is that um, there's more, um, I mean, again, it's all public schools, so Mm -hmm. I have, I'm not in any private schools in Butler County, not that there aren't any, I just have not expanded to um, reach them, and um, I think because I was tasked to do it, it seemed to be, I mean, the way I approached it, was like, I'm just going to go find schools in Butler County, Mm -hmm. and I just went down the list, and I just called as many teachers as I could, health teachers as I could, Mm -hmm. and whoever said yes, come see me that's where I'm at. And I've I've been able to grow and establish relationships with all of these teachers. And as I was able to do that with one, you know, another teacher, and I think this may happen in Hamilton County too, one hears about the program and says, right. hey, you know, we hear you're there, so can you come here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's kind of how it looks. And right now, we just, um, I think the goal is just be in as many schools as we can. Right, yeah. So, Are there any specific or different
0: challenges that you face in Butler County? Or would you say, like, with talking to the Hamilton County educators, it's pretty much the same? Or is there anything different that you deal with out there? Yeah, I, I
1: think the challenges are very, very similar as mm-hmm. far as students, um, what their needs are Right. every year. I think the only difference for me um, is I just know these teachers. I've known them for a long time, um for the whole time I've been working. And so it's it's easy to create a rapport with students mm-hmm. because the teachers know me. Right. And so I think they tell them about me before I That's awesome. On. So when I go in it's it's easy. I don't have to you know it's not a big learning curve right
0: you're not trying to get to know the teachers and the students at the same time you can kind of focus on what you're doing that's
1: really cool right they I know what they need and they know to tell me exactly what they need yeah so they know exactly what I need to know right and because they're somewhat familiar with what's curriculum Mm -hmm. they know what to expect they know some of the activities they know okay this is going to work or this is not going to work or Mm let's let's talk about this some more So for example, um, a couple of years ago in Fairfield in particular, they've always had a really big Spanish-speaking student body. Right. And so a few years ago the teacher said, you know, it would be really helpful if your student packet was in Spanish. So a couple of years ago we did that. I think it was last year. Yeah. We did that and it's been really helpful for these students. And she is since... She's grateful for that. Look, how does... Excited about that because mm-hmm. they have the same um, number. Of, they have a lot of students who speak Spanish. And um, now I'm getting requests to um, try to get our videos translated into oh, Spanish for the same reason. And um, so that's just something to work on, to try to record them right. with Spanish subtitles, which right. I think is, is doable. Mm-hmm. We just have to sit there and do it. So so it's those things that the teachers in Butler County, they are really good about saying, look, this worked, this did not work. Yeah. And they're, you know, because we've been working together for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. and I value what they tell me. And I bring it to our team. And, um... There have been a couple of things that yeah. we've had teachers say they've implemented, implemented certain tools, and we're like, wow, this really works, and so we'll try to make it work. That's and great. Like, yeah.
0: And it's great that they feel comfortable enough to to bring those issues to you, and you guys can work together. That's right, really amazing. Right, right. Yeah. Well, one of the really big reasons that I wanted to sit down and talk with you um, is because you have been here for a really long time. You have been here for nine years, right? Yeah. yeah? So I wanted to, to kind of hear how, how you have seen the program change over time. And it, it, even if you want to talk, walk us through, like, what your first year looked like versus what, you know, what, what your involvement or what the program specifically looks like now. And we're talking about the Prevent and Empower program that we run. Maybe I should, you know, be specific about that. That's the five-day program that we run in, in different schools around Cincinnati Um, So
1: what did your first year look like with the team? Right. Well, when I started, I actually started as a volunteer where I would um, co-facilitate with a full-time staff person. And so what I was asked to do then was, if I was going to volunteer, volunteer for the whole week since we were there for five days, or for at least the whole program. Mm -hmm. Because when I started, we offered a couple of different options to the school we, they could either have us there for three days, mm-hmm. five days, or up to ten days. Wow. So it depended on what the school could do. It's usually, it's and it still does, it depends on the, the teacher's schedule and what they can do and what they really want for their students. So there were times then when I would choose to do a three-day program mm-hmm. with someone um, five day and then the ten day I did a couple of times um, and so our curriculum would change according to that according to what the schools needed and then I, I wish I can tell you exactly what year it happened but there was one year when we decided okay five days is best practice right so three days is not enough ten days We can do it, we have it, but it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. We can cover it in five days. And so, I think that may have been, wow, that may have been probably even after my third year. Wow. My first year, I was volunteer. Then after that, I got the contract. So, my second year teaching, um, we decided, okay, it's going to be five days. Wow. So, we're going to do five days. And, um and even that that evolved Mm -hmm. the the materials that we used the um the schedule how the how each lesson was going to drop change from year to year and all of that a lot of it was based on um green dot and other curriculum but then based we would also base um some of any changes we made, mm-hmm. again, goes back to what, this, what the teachers asked for, right. what the students asked for in their surveys, right. what they want to hear, what they want to know more of, mm-hmm. you know, questions that they would ask me personally, Right. that just didn't seem clear, and, you know, and just wanting to add more activities, more engagement Yeah. with the students. And so, I think now, I mean, the team has talked about it, just... This year, and how much more engaging it is. Right. This year, our five days is just seems to be on point. Yeah. More so than it's ever been in the past. And I'm hearing it from students. Mm -hmm. I'm already hearing it from teachers. They love it. Um, They love that we have activities every day um, and that it's not so lecture heavy. Right. And I, in fact, just last week, a student come up to me from La West say, you know what? I don't usually like when we have guest speakers. It's usually so boring. We just sit there <laughs> and listen to them talk. She said, but this is my favorite one. Wow. And, you know, when I... These students have admitted to me that they'll just like skip class if a teacher, if a teacher has a speaker come in wow. because they just sit there. So yeah. I just had a student from Lakota West say, this was my favorite one.
0: That's great. Yeah, that is really great. Yeah, I think that's something that that we have talked about and just the one curriculum review that I've been a part of. It's been we the focus has been on getting them involved, getting them to do activities. How can they? Yeah, how can they? Their voice be heard during the curriculum, which is great.
1: Right. I'm also noticing that that, and I think it's because of the curriculum. They're more willing to talk. Mm-hmm. They're more willing to just see this as more of a conversation, which is how I introduce the program that first day. I always tell them that I really don't see this as me lecturing, Mm -hmm. that it it is meant to be a conversation. That As a person who's much older than they are, Mm -hmm. I am in a healthy relationship myself. I don't date. So I kind of rely on them to give me the information and to share that information um, with their peers, and that my job in the classroom is to facilitate a conversation in a healthy environment, to just give them language so they can ask the questions yeah. and maybe answer questions, and so they can feel safe in this place to talk about things, right? That, and a place that I just don't think they have a space to talk about these things that are so important to them, um, and they know it right away. Right. They know it right away. They're worried about relationships. Whether it's dating or friendships, they're worried about this, and yeah. they're concerned, and I think they're very appreciative, Yeah, um, and I notice it more this year than I have in past years.
0: Yeah. So what then, what's your favorite, you know, thinking about activities and also the, the having students talk about their experiences, do you have a favorite activity that we do that like facilitates the best conversation, or your best talking point that you love doing with the students? Is there something like that that you think sparks their passion or interest the most?
1: Wow. there's There are really a lot. I mean, I've always liked, I've always liked all of our activities. The mm-hmm. kids love, the bingo game, which yeah. is bingo game, healthy relationships bingo game. That was always, in the past, it was like an icebreaker game where they play right. bingo and they choose their favorite characteristics. That they want in a dating partner or a best friend, Mm -hmm. and um, so it gives them an opportunity to think about what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed in the past as a way to just make friends. Yeah, because I get to give away candy. Yeah, so (laughs) yeah, so that's fun. But it's become much more of a tool for them. So I've enjoyed that. Um, But perhaps my favorite activity has to be activities that we, we do um, a Netflix and consent activity that mm-hmm. the team put together a number of years ago where we give students, um, we allow them to look at um, video clips from movies and television shows mm-hmm. that they're familiar with that may depict consensual or non-consensual behavior and it forces them to pay attention and not just be entertained by these movies and allow them to start practicing recognizing non-consensual behavior. Behavior that's shown to them from a very young age yeah. as a way to, enter, they're entertained by this. And so, I mean, I like this activity more as a, as a an introduction to them to say, look, I want you to just start paying attention to what's happening around you. Right. I want you to pay attention, and I'm not calling any of these movies bad, or good, or any of them better, or not, or or worse. But as you go to movies, as you watch videos, as as you play video games, as you pay attention, as you scroll through TikTok or Instagram, I want you to just pay attention to what's being presented to you as an example. Of a relationship, and now that you know Mm -hmm. what consensual behavior looks like, now you can be much more critical, and you be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that while watching a television show or a movie, you're better equipped to do that while you're in the relationship. So I value. I think I value that most. Yeah, and it's probably because I come here as an art history, as an art historian. Yes. So the visual is very important. Yes. To me. So and how they're able to look at things, right, and pay attention. So I think that's probably my favorite. Yeah, my
0: my favorite part of that activity is the students set up really, really high standards for for consent. I feel like after we've talked about consent, and they, you know. If it's not asked out loud and explicit during those examples, they put up a fight, which is always is good to hear is refreshing that they're not Mm -hmm. saying, yeah. And I think having something to watch does make it easier for them to decide and think critically about.
1: I think so, too, because this year, probably more than in the past, maybe in the past couple years, you know, a lot of these teenagers, whether they're in middle school or high school, um, they... You ask them if they've heard of consent or if mm-hmm. they know what consent is. They say they know.
0: Yep. They yeah. know.
1: They've heard this. This has been a big and important topic. And in many cases, that makes our jobs easier than mm-hmm. it was before. So I don't necessarily have to introduce the term to them. And they're comfortable talking about it, which is great. Right. But I think this year we're planting new seeds Yep. to help yeah. them to recognize really what it looks like. And that it may look different. Mm-hmm. And so to, you, to them, they're like, yeah, consent is permission. Consent is saying yes. Consent has to be enthusiastic. And all of that is true. Mm-hmm. But giving them an opportunity is like, okay, now that you know the definition, right, we're going to play this game. Right, We're going to look at examples so you can start practicing recognizing what it looks like and what it does not look like. But yeah. it can look different. Yeah, with different, different people, different relationships. So, yeah, and I think they are excited about that. Yeah. I, you know they don't, they don't get frustrated with this. I think they're excited. I mean, sometimes, sometimes like wait, wait a minute. This doesn't look like mm-hmm. But I think they enjoy um, having an opportunity to break it open. Right. So they can really use it as a tool that they can start practicing it yeah. right away. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I agree. It's It seems like there's more of a willingness to, to think about, well, this not, might not look like consent to me, but maybe somebody else, it might look like consent or going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think another valuable thing that we've added is the skits this year, which is another great tool to practice. Um, and it, it made me think about it because, you know, even the quietest classes that I've had are the classes who are the least willing to participate. By the Friday afternoon when we give them the Bystander Intervention skits, and they get to get involved. I see a lot of excitement from them and a willingness to be goofy or open or really challenge what's happening in the skits. So I wonder what your experience, has it been similar with the skits?
1: I'm getting that too, and I think um, it really points back to an ability to create a rapport with them. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, by Friday when we do the skits, they are ready... And this, and this too, learning how to be an active bystander. Yep. This is such an oh, it's such an important tool. And I tell my students that when I did the training for this, um, this work, when I learned about bystander intervention, that was the point when I decided I want to do this in the schools. That's great. So I wow. wanted them to know this. If they know nothing else, I want them to know this. So having it at the very end mm-hmm. when they're ready to to try it. Right. When they're ready to practice it, which is like my big term, you need to practice all of these things all of the time. Right. They're ready to go. Yeah. And um and that enthusiasm makes me feel good when I walk away. Yeah. It's like they're they're excited about doing this.
0: And I'm wondering if it's going back to, you know, kind of kind of what you said earlier about the, the students liking our program or, like, wanting to come to our program and not skip classes, that we give them something to walk away with. And it's not just like, okay, I have all of this information, I learned all this stuff all week, so what? But that we really take a whole day of our program to say, you have this, now what are you going to do with it? Which yeah. is, I, th- I think can be really empowering Instead of just sitting and learning and being scared about sexual assault or scared about abuse or right. scared about whatever it is, but saying, "If I see these things happen, I have tools to step up and do something."
1: Right. I I, I feel the same way because there were a lot of times. Ta- there were many times when our curriculum seemed to. I don't know. It seemed like we were falling off a dead. You know, there was like mm-hmm. a cliff. It's like I always. I was always worried. That I was dropping all these bombs and passing to school. Say okay, here now. Take care of that. Right. But the way again, and I think our team has worked really hard this year in particular to allow the curriculum to evolve and get get the students. Allow the students to walk with us through this learning. Right. So we're doing it. We are really doing it together. And at least that's how I present it. Yeah. We're learning this together. And when we get to the end, you know, I tell them by the time the last day rolls around, I'm not the only preventionist in the room. Yeah. Oh, I you love that. You are doing wow. this right and so when I walk away, mm-hmm. you are able to do this, and that's my goal. Wow, that's I love goal. that. To yeah. Just tell
0: them that now you are a preventionist, right? Yeah, because I was just I'm like you're an active bi-
1: I want you to be an active bystander, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use yeah. that. I'm gonna steal that yeah. from you. That's great. Yeah. Yes, because we start. You know, because I started by you know saying this is some of the work that we do at women helping women. Mm-hmm. It's prevention work. And even on that first day, I said, this is the side I work on. Mm-hmm. And this is the side you're going to work on with me. Yeah. So I bring them along. And, you know, and I, I don't want to forget that I think the big reason why this curriculum works so well is that the last couple of years with COVID, two mm-hmm. three years where we've had to struggle to just help students who have been going through so many things... You know, just privately, yeah. and by themselves, right. in their homes, um, it gave us, you know, I don't know, it gave us the push, the incentive right, to say, okay, let's do this. Right. These are the things that are happening, I want, you know, I, I, I do want to empower you and so prevent and empower that title right it really, we are really doing those yes with these students it's like okay yeah it's it's your work too it's our work.
0: yeah that's i i think something that i'm liking about about the new curriculum and you know with getting it streamlined a little bit more but also is really the focus on giving them long-term tools. so it's not just knowledge bombs and then it's a so what it's if you're if this is something you're struggling with, here's X, Y, and Z that that we can do, or or how we can recognize it. It's a lot more giving them the tools and a little bit of knowledge so that they can recognize it long after that we're gone from the classroom,
1: right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and and they do seem to appreciate that. I mean, I and I hear again from the teachers who I know, they'll let me know like the next day. They'll email me and say, you know when we came back on Monday mm-hmm. they were all still talking oh, and they had wow. more questions and, and and they could tell this year I had one teacher in particular who said I can tell this year more than past years that they were asking the right questions wow. and they were digging deeper that's so more wonderful. than they have ever done before and, and do you think so, that's
0: because of the curriculum or because of the pandemic
1: or oh, I don't know I, I it could be a combination but yeah. I really do think, I mean, I do attribute this to the curriculum that um, they feel comfortable talking about it. But, you know, I mean, the pandemic, you know, they were in isolation. And so perhaps our program, again, as I have mentioned before, they. I don't know any other place where they have an opportunity to talk about these things that are important. It's in the health classes. Mm -hmm. And the health classes are already for many students, very safe places. right? You know, if, if any classes that are taught in school, this is a place where they get to talk about themselves. Right. Their health. And, yeah. And so it may be, you know, they can finally talk to someone about what's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's
0: kind of something I'm thinking about as, as you're saying everything, you know, they already know about consent, or they're more willing to talk about it, or, um, you know, di- different things. Have you seen, as you've taught over the years, as these become like bigger national conversations, do you feel like that trickles into the classroom or do you just think it's, you know, our, our curriculum or do you do you feel a change? Like it, maybe is there less resistance to talking about these issues now
1: than when you started nine years ago? I think absolutely. that Because there is a national conversation. And I really don't think it's because I'm, you know, I'm... I've been doing this for a long time Mm -hmm. but the truth is me too right yeah brought this out where people are more willing to talk about this Mm -hmm. um they and, and i'm seeing it in the classroom and not and not just in high school middle school students are ready to talk about this yeah they want to talk about this and um and i do think it has a lot to do with you know, young people are, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about their relationships. And they're right. Talking about, because, I mean, these are students, like many of them, but when I go in monday I've never talked to them before. Right. And they know, they have this language, and they yeah. know what they want to talk about. Whether they mention it in the classroom, many of them, I have many more students who come to me privately, to talk about things wow. that are happening to them and questions that they have, um, that and they may not feel comfortable. But many more of them. They just want someone to talk to. That's so wonderful. More than I've seen before. Yeah, that's so, really wonderful. And, I, and, and maybe it has something to do with, you know. I, I think there, are, people are talking more about mental illness, um, and there's no. The stigma behind that seems to be dimming right. And I think young people are are open to talk about it. Yeah. And share that. And this is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. That is part of it. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a really big piece. That's really interesting. I hadn't really really considered the the difference there, you know, and or or as national conversations change what you know, if people are they're just used to hearing words like consent or sexual harassment or you know they're just used to hearing it more so they maybe feel more comfortable talking about it when the topic's brought up that's yeah that's really right. wonderful
1: the, and you know and they have experiences that are very challenging experiences yeah. that you know i did not have when i was younger mm-hmm. experiences that even the youngest students are having That when i first started um I would hear those questions and those Mm -hmm. concerns or those experiences in high school. Right. And now I'm hearing those questions in middle school. Right. Kids are getting older, or faster. Right. They're maturing faster. And so, which often, I mean, has me asking, is there a way to create a curriculum where we started earlier? Right. And how, what would that look like? Right i don't I have no idea yeah. what that would look like, but it's very clear that um sixth and seventh graders, middle right. school, you know sixth, seventh, and eighth graders they are talking about this Absolutely. already yeah, and I'm grateful to have the information to just give them. You know the language, so they can talk about it. Right, at least being aware, start to recognize it. Right, yeah. right, and they can talk about it in a safe way. Right. So, so that's I appreciate that, and I think they, they, I mean, all of them. There's so, a they thank me all the time. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So I hear.
0: Yeah. So you talked about. You know, we kind of talked about the past, and then what it looks like now. And I kind of heard you mention it there. What something that you hope for. What, what would be, like, your biggest hope or goal for the program in the next, you know, year or five years? Or, like, what would be your big goal or wish for the program as it grows and changes? Oh, wow.
1: um, some of my main goals, besides going, like, trying to go into the upper grades in primary school, I, some of my goals have always included Having a program for parents, mm. yeah. I just think because sometimes in some of these schools we get parents who push back. Yep. And they're concerned because we are talking about all the, all relationships, all yep. types of relationships, and so I've had parents in the past. Um, they're concerned about how we're talking to their kids about this. Right. Because they're just not familiar. Because they have not had the opportunity to have this conversation. Right. When they were growing up. Right. And I include me. Yeah. You know. In fact. and, and most something people, I didn't mention. Is the reason I started doing this work really points to my own children. Yeah. I had decided I wanted to learn about this as soon as my oldest turned 12. Wow. When she turned 12, it occurred to me that I was not going to be able to set up and determine her play dates. I was not going to be able to pick her friends. Wow. I was not going to be yeah. gonna know the parents of her friends, that she was going to be doing this mm-hmm. on her own. And it made me nervous. And so as a parent, I decided I was going to find out what can I do. To empower her to have healthy relationships. Of course, I didn't have that language, right. but I wanted to. Is like how how can I feel okay mm-hmm. that she's making friends that I don't know? Right. That's what I wanted to be able to do because I didn't want to keep her at home all of the time just to keep her safe. Which that's I think that's what my parents <laughs> to do. Right. But that's a different story. Um, but. I wanted to figure out how do I make sure that she is okay and in healthy relationships. And so I sought out Women Helping Women. And so as I mentioned before, I went through the whole training to be mm-hmm. a volunteer and it really wasn't until I got to that last point of my wow. intervention and I said, okay, it's not just my kids. right? I want all kids to know, and I really think when I go back to that time, I think if parents had this information, Mm -hmm. they too could advocate for their children. Right. And I would love to see a program that invites parents to think about what is their role Mm -hmm. in advocating for their their children to be in healthy relationships. Not necessarily tell them what they need to do. Right. Not tell them what their boundaries are. Right. And this, but how do they advocate for them? Because I really think being with women, helping women, and doing this work, um, helps me to be a better parent. I tell my students all the time. It sounds hokey, but um, and they probably hear it all the time that teachers learn from students. Mm-hmm. But as a parent, I've learned so much from these students, and I really think I bring it into my home. Yeah, and I think it helped my kids know what they need to know, and they know where to get the information. Even if they don't want to talk to me about the relationships, they know it's there. Right, and I can give, I can tell them where they can get it. Right. That's.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really wonderful goal and also a really wonderful way to approach parenting. That's yeah. pretty awesome. That That's pretty good um, and very, very admirable. But I think that would be really cool. I think something kind of, with the parents, something I struggle with is, you know, when students ask, well, how am I supposed to set boundaries with my parents when they tell me, I, oh, my parents pay for everything and they don't care about my boundaries. So right. I think there's a, a 2 prong. Um, goal there with with teaching parents, but I like that goal. I think that'd be wonderful to be able to expand to the adult world. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Because we knew, yeah, I th- I think parents do want to help. They just don't know how. Right. right. There just seems to be so many places where they feel like they have to protect. Right. Their children, and oftentimes that means, you know, th- that means things that they simply cannot do. You know, right. They want to lock down. Their technology. They want to, you know, manage what they watch. Look, you know, I mean, one of the videos clips we show mm-hmm. is um, a video of. So there are videos where non-consensual behavior. I mean, we used to show a video clip of. isn't It was Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and that whole relationship is so toxic. Right. Yeah. Like our children grew up watching it over and over and right. over and over again and merely laughed at it. Mm-hmm. And so even if, as a parent, you're trying to protect your children from certain things, right, you're actually giving them this thing. Right. And That's not paying admirable. Attention. You know, and it's a great movie. I mean, right. it's an old story. It's right. a great story. But if you don't have the tools to help them watch it,
0: that is really funny because we we also have another video clip that we use that kind of suggests at a queer relationship. It's not really explicit, mm-hmm. um, but we've had a lot of pushback when it comes to that clip. And then it's actually a consensual. We use it as a great example of what consent should look like, right. and we've gotten a lot of pushback because there's the suggestion that it might be a queer relationship. Right. And Beauty and the Beast. We've ne- I mean I've never had any complaints about using that. I don't know if you mm-hmm. have, but it's always like oh this movie i watched it with my family you know it's it's no complaints there so that is really interesting of where the control is going or or coming from and and how we could maybe open up that conversation with parents about thinking critically
1: even if it's just starting by sharing our curriculum with them right right look this is what we do and i think that's
0: part of it is the, the anxiety there's so much anxiety around being a parent and what information they're consuming and being really fully transparent because we are not doing anything bad or right. pushing agendas or right. anything like that. It's just
1: information. Right. And so I often wonder if there are like different you know, avenues where we can go there. Like, like go to parent-teacher, what is it, uh, PT. Oh, yeah, PTL meetings and, and stuff. say, hey, can you have us come in? That's wonderful, we can, yeah. We can talk to your parents and let, let them know that we're doing right or give you tools.
0: for joining us for this episode of Prevention at Women Helping Women. I hope you'll join us again next week for another great episode. Hello, this is Riley talking. Hello, can you